0: It's good Friday morning, and it feels like uh, everybody's asleep still uh, in Stockholm. Not that I know, because I'm obviously indoors, but it's just one of those days when everything is really quiet, I think. And uh, we thought we would uh, start on one of our, I suppose, biggest uh, topics that we have, because it's about what we do, um, or what we believe in, coaching.
1: Yeah, I am uh, in London, and uh, I can see that there's nobody in the street because I'm looking out of my window. And Good Friday is always a great day to work because very few other people are working, and (laughs) and, and there's not much else to do.
0: (laughs) I remember it being the most boring day ever when I was a child. So it's the day before you get all the Easter sweets uh and there was always some kind of very depressing uh program on the telly to remind you of why we do this no why do we even remember good friday so it's just something it was a very long day uh and in, in swedish actually called it's actually called the long friday so maybe that's <laughs> maybe that's why
1: the long friday yeah exactly yeah
0: yeah. You, yeah coaching exactly um it's so big that sometimes You know, you think, oh, how, what, what should we, where where do we start on a topic that is so big? It's like an elephant. How do we cut the pieces? And, and there was only one thing that I wrote down this morning. And then I told you, let's not prepare, let's just start and see where we end up. But there was one thing that I wrote down before I said that to you, and that was start with a purpose. And I guess it came from a conversation I had yesterday with an athlete who, has been a coach in his whole life, I suppose, coaching teams and coaching himself and other sportsmen. And, and to sort of explore and find somebody's passion or purpose, which is, I think, both. If you go to the deep, deep purpose, that's also where people have their passion. If you can sort of explore that or, or guide somebody or coach somebody to connect with that purpose I think that is sort of the fundamental in in the profession as a coach in many ways but what, what's your view on that do you think
1: for me I think when I think about so first of all how come we got this far on more than two years since we started the podcast that we're actually talking about coaching and that's quite interesting that coaching has not been something we have wanted to talk about and I think Partly that is because it's so big, as you say, and partly also because it means so many different things. So coaching, I mean, for us, it's our profession, right? If that's that's what it says on my LinkedIn, it's coach, it's my profession, but it's also, and perhaps it's a style of, of communication or a style of leadership, or perhaps even a style of being in the world. And so in, in, in that respect, I think for me, the biggest question is also for people listening to this is to, to give it some, some, you know, what are we talking about when we talk about coaching?
0: It's interesting you say it's almost like a, it can be as big as a, a way of being, which is massive, which is perhaps where we come from when we say it's so big, where do we start? And then on the other hand, it could be a methodology, like a coaching approach to a situation. And you take that tool and you take a five-step approach to, to a situation and that's also coaching. Mm. And both are, both are true and both are important. Both are real, I believe. Mm. I think if I just talk about why I'm so convinced uh, or why I enjoy it so much is I really, I really enjoy to use my curiosity to find out what other people are all about so somebody might come to you as a coach and they they present a problem or an issue or they just they were told by somebody that you know you should have a coach and and they come to you and the, in that very first meeting to start to explore you know why are we here what what, what can we explore together so it's really about what the other person beliefs coaching might be and then sort of starting to open doors from there so to come down to where i started which is you know what's the purpose and the purpose could be to to address a work issue or it could be to understand more about life and why am i here
1: hmm. Hmm. yeah so um i think the other thing is that coaching is a it, it in a way and maybe that's for all what we're talking about here, coaching is a series of behaviors, regardless of whether you're a professional coach of a football team or a rugby team or um, or a coach like us, right? A professional coach in business or an executive coach or a life coach, or whether it's, um, it's a, a way of leading people or communicating with people. It's always a series of behaviors and perhaps those behaviors are quite consistent over all those different ways of being or being a coach. What do you think?
0: Yeah. I do believe it's a series of behaviors, but I also believe that it is a value.
1: It is a value. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So if you believe in coaching, it becomes also a value and the guiding principles of a value, which then Manifest as behaviors, so the behaviors come from a deep belief that uh, you know coaching is a way of being mm. and and I suppose it's it's the same with everything you You can always learn behaviors and they don't have to be strongly linked to to coaching as a value. It could also be strongly linked to let's say um, performing because if you want or excellence, so if you want excellence you might think about the best way to get there, which might be using coaching behaviors. So it might come from another source. So I think this is where we're saying, you know, where, where do we target this? So if you talk about you and talk about me, I think coaching is probably one of our values. Mm-hmm. Whereas uh, somebody else who uses coaching behaviors or a coaching approach might do it for other reasons. Mm-hmm. And both are fine. I don't think one is better than the other. It's it's just different ways. But the behaviors, I agree with you. The behaviors are probably very similar.
1: Yeah. Shall we talk a little bit about those then?
0: Yeah. So let's go there. That's actually a very good way.
1: Yeah. So I think um, that you mentioned one of the most important. And I guess it's also a value, but curiosity. I know it's one of your core values. Um, it's also a very important behavior in coaching is to be curious, right? It's it's. I think that's one of the key behaviors in coaching be curious so you were you were you started talking about being you know curiosity in coaching so say a bit more about that
0: i believe um first of all it's a very positive place to be when you're curious it's a pleasant emotion to be curious it's a it's a. You can also say it's it's an energy that transferred to the person you're with, so that that person feels that you're really there with them. You really do want to know. Your your intention is positive, so you're exploring together with that person because you really do want to know. And um, I think that when you find that place of curiosity, some of the questions when we get into questioning techniques, because I know we want we we will get there too. But some of the questions you ask from from a place of curiosity are very natural and, and could be very helpful for the person you're talking to so it's not so planned in terms of following an approach you know this is the way we do it the a b c d approach but it's it's the more you know you might be seeing something so you hear something and and you start seeing something and from the place of where you see something or how you interpret it you ask questions that give another perspective to, to the person you're talking to, I believe. Mm. So curiosity is a, is a way, I think, again, it's a guiding principle, it's a value, it's... Uh, yeah,
1: it's a way of being.
0: It's a way of being, it's a door opener. I mean, With- if you think about hum- humanity, I mean, curiosity is what makes people grow. Look at, look at children. It's all about curiosity. They just do things, not because they have a plan. They just follow an instinct of curiosity and then they learn something by exploring from a place of curiosity Mm. and that might be painful it might be pleasant but they learn and then they they take that curiosity further
1: we as coaches are saying well if we are curious if we use curiosity as a behavior in coaching we actually allow the other person to learn as well so we learn as coaches when we are we're curious but also because we're curious the person that is being coached is also learning.
0: Yeah, I believe that's true. And I I believe because we come from curiosity, we, we also have let go of any preconceptions. So we are very open. So curiosity and openness are very close.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. For me, that makes coaching really, it, it feels to me that coaching all of a sudden became easier because we just said this, you just need to be curious, right? You don't have to be thinking about a really, really smart question to ask. No, just be curious, which is, you know, the simplest question, say a bit more, or, or you know, what does that mean? Or I'm curious, um, you know, and, and that's it, right? And you just come from a place of curiosity, and that that's pretty much all there is to coaching,
0: Uh you know but having said that let me just add something it's very difficult to be curious if you're not present
1: ah okay so now we're getting to number two
0: (laughs) so why do why do you talk about presence because some people might find that a little bit challenging
1: yeah so i think presence is really if there are two key behaviors in coaching is curiosity and presence and presence is not just the failability of physical presence; it's it's also um, psychological presence. So being here and now, so not being with your mind in the past or in the future, but being in the here and now. Now that requires a certain sort of state of calm, a state of quiet mind, a state of non-thinking, um, so that you're not thinking about what you might be asking next or trying to interpret what the person that you're coaching is saying. No, you're just listening. You're just there, here, now, for that person that you're coaching. Uh, With a very empty, quiet mind. And that's presence. And I think presence, coupled with curiosity, if you get those two remotely right, you're going to be a great coach.
0: Yeah. There's one more thing, though, that will help the other person to open up and uh, explore with you. And I, I believe that's trust. So, so trust, I think we had a whole episode on trust, didn't we? Maybe. Yeah, we did. So if you think about it yourself, you know, just because I'm curious and present with you, will you tell me, will you open up to me? Will you, will you tell me about your issues? Will you be ready um, and willing to explore it together with me? And, and I think, I think there needs to be some, some trust. Um, So the question is then how, how do you get that as a coach or as a leader or as a friend or as a parent? So are you the coach? Are you the right coach for, for this person? based on where your trust is together. Hmm.
1: Which means that when you are coaching somebody, whether you're their manager or whether you're their husband or wife or whether you are their parent or whether you're a friend, building trust is sort of almost a prerequisite before a good coaching conversation can take place.
0: So for... For 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 those of, of the listeners who did not necessarily um, listen to, to our episode on trust, I'm pretty sure we talked about the trust equation and the different components of trust. So I just wanted to make a distinction here between being a coach and being a mentor because there is an element of um, credibility in, in the trust equation. So basically, the better you are in, on a topic – you know, the more you know about it from knowledge and competence, the more trust you will have in a certain situation. I don't necessarily think that's where the trust has to come from no. uh, when it's a coaching situation. It could be, but I don't think you need to be the expert in, in knowing the answers from a knowledge perspective as a coach. Just to be a good coach or have the trust, the trust level required for, for a coaching situation. I think it's more the reliability and intimacy and perhaps a lot around self-orientation. The fact that your self-orientation is, is, is low as a coach, you don't have your ego, you don't have a stake in the coaching conversation. It's not for you, it's for the other person. And the intimacy is that personal connection that you have with the person and the reliability is of course that you are there, you, you are a reliable person, you're, you know, you're showing up, you're present, you're committed.
1: Yeah, trustworthy and, uh, uh, you know, it will be um, confidential, for example. Those type of things are important here too, yeah. Yeah, that's an interesting point, that that, that, that point of the trust equation, and people should listen back, I think, to the, the episode on trust if they want to know more about this because we shouldn't repeat it all. But that that element that is around credibility is really perhaps a distinction between mentoring and coaching. Although we obviously have credibility as a coach, we're not necessarily. Certainly, I don't understand always the the details of the my client's business, right? In a um, in a more of a leadership situation where a leader or a manager is using coaching, they often know a lot more about that job that somebody is doing, then perhaps even that person knows themselves because they've done that job before, right? So if you're in customer service and you're now a manager in customer service, you might know really well how to do customer service. But that almost gets in the way of coaching, right? Where expertise comes gets in the way of coaching.
0: Yeah, and you and and back to self-orientation, because you know the answer and you know how something can be done. You might go fall into the trap of thinking my way is is the way or the best way. So you start telling people how to go about something rather than coaching them to find what might be an even better way of doing something.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's uh, that's really. I think it's an interesting point that let's spell that out a bit because it's an important behavior in coaching, and that I would I would describe it as holding off or holding. Yeah, holding off from giving answers or suggesting how things should be done. Mm. I think a good coach doesn't do that. A coach, a good coach holds 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 off on giving answers and suggestions. Holds back is perhaps better. Holds back on giving answers and suggestions and stays in an inquiry mode, so asking questions rather than giving answers. And that is much easier if you don't know the answers, like you and me when we're coaching our clients but it's more difficult when you are a manager of somebody and you actually have a pretty good idea that it's really quite hard to hold off or hold back with your answers, but still important to do because that person that you're coaching will learn much better if you're not giving them the answers, but you are asking questions and, and you never know that person might actually have a better answer than you would have.
0: I think this is, maybe one of the most difficult aspects of coaching wh- when you're in, in the corporate setting. Because, you know, sometimes we hear the argument, you know, why don't you coach? You know, it, no, I don't because it takes too long. If I have the answer, it's much quicker to give the answer than to coach somebody through a situation. And it's also quite difficult to stay curious because you you might lose patience when you coach somebody and you know the answer. So so to really stay in the curious place, to really have this uh, belief that long-term, the coaching will always win over telling, but in that particular moment, in those five minutes in that situation, yes, maybe it was quicker to give the answer, mm. but it will defeat the, the bigger purpose of coaching.
1: Yeah. And the long-term benefits.
0: The long-term benefits. Yes.
1: And the long-term benefits are to that person you're coaching because they are learning and they're developing much, much faster than otherwise. The long-term benefits are to you as a coach because in the long-term you can delegate more. You can let go of more things to your team. And the long-term benefits are to the organization because we are moving um, thinking and decision-making to the lowest point in the organization, which is the most effective and most efficient.
0: So one, one uh, behavior that is also underused in general, I think, is silence. Hmm. So you, you're there, you're present, you're curious. It doesn't mean that you have to bombard somebody with uh, curious questions. You could be there and you can be in the curiosity and stay silent so so you're basically holding the space which is uh, i suppose the terminology for this but you you're basically there to hold that person where it is to be in uh, in, in an exploration mood
1: mm. yeah yeah, the power of silence, uh, it's uh, it's well known to be a hugely beneficial tool in negotiations. And in coaching, it's super important. And again, perhaps easier for the professional coach than for the manager or leader, because it's so much easier to jump in and just t- tell somebody if they are not immediately giving you the answer. And then to hold back and to hold the space and to just be silent is actually in concept super easy and in practice really complicated. And we've seen that in in years of leadership development, right? When we practice this, it's just so difficult to keep your mouth shut and just allow the silence to do its, to do its work.
0: It's also, uh, I know the difference myself. If I'm with somebody who's not comfortable with silence, but that person stays silent, it becomes uncomfortable atmosphere in the room. So to learn not just to be silent, but to to learn to be comfortable with silence, which obviously takes practice. There's there's a difference. Mm -hmm. So, you know, sometimes we say that, that when you know somebody really well, you know that you know them really well because you can be silent and it's comfortable. Mm -hmm. I think it's a little bit back to trust. Mm -hmm. So what else do we have in terms of behaviors, coaching behaviors? We talked about curiosity, presence.
1: Yeah, I've got, I've got one more. It's probably a bit more complicated, but important to, um, to mention, and that's the sort of empathy and acknowledging the whole person. So, and I'm talking now, again, I'm thinking of the manager leading or the team leader leading somebody in their team. And you know you're talking about something content something in a project or whatever, and you know in particular when you're not in the same room, which obviously is quite normal these days, so you might be on a team's meeting or a zoom meeting and you're coaching somebody and you actually acknowledge that there is to this person so much going on apart from the project that they're doing that you're coaching them on so what else is there what what is happening in their lives what What are they thinking right now? What are they feeling right now? So just to, I don't think your job is to know everything, but to be a bit more aware that there is so much more to this person than what you are, than the topic, the subject matter of that conversation. So to have, to just open slightly more the empathy than we would otherwise do. in in purely in corporate settings. Inquire of the well-being, perhaps.
0: Yeah, and also, uh, I would also say, you know, because it's so complex, so you might yourself, if I come to you and you're my coach, I might think that the problem is the issue I'm describing to you. I might not even be aware of everything else that has an impact on the situation because my mind is not focused on that. So I think what, what you're saying, if I put that in, a, in slightly different words, is finding out what the real problem or the real situation is, mm. opening up mm. the fact that there are so many other things going on at the same time. So we know that the body and the thoughts and the emotions, they all have an impact for how we, how we experience every given situation. So if I had a bad night's sleep, or if I had an argument with somebody, it will have an impact on my ability to be creative or solve a problem. Mm. So if I come to you with a problem only, obviously, my state, my inner state has a huge impact on how I can deal with something, Mm. or how I can relate or connect with something.
1: Yeah, and then as a coach, to be a bit aware of that, a bit more aware of that than we otherwise would, I think is really quite helpful.
0: Mm. I mean, and then I think, again, back to behaviors, where many people start, and I I think I also do sometimes, is, you know, a good coach can ask good questions. So questioning technique, but that's more a methodology. I think we can come back to perhaps another time, but I think it's more how you ask the question, you know, what is... Uh, coming back to to the behaviors or the values of curiosity and openness and empathy, if the question is coming from that place mm. and it's worded slightly, let's say, wrong according to best practice coaching methodology, I don't think that is as bad as coming from a place of contraction, judgment, uh, stress and uh, distraction, let's say.
1: Yeah, 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 absolutely. So it's all about the intention behind the question. And the best question is not a question. Say a bit more. Say a bit more is not a question. Mm. It's actually an instruction. Mm. But it is a wonderful way to get people to open up a bit more.
0: It's an invitation. It's uh, wonderful.
1: Yeah. So... It's very open, although it's not a question. So I, I don't think we need to get into questioning techniques at all. Uh, I think you've just said it. With an intention of openness, curiosity, and presence, the question will form itself.
0: I have no doubt about that. So so the way a question might formulate itself when you stay open and present and curious is different from when you stay sort of when when you allow the mind to go into problem solving and running ahead of you, because I believe that when it does, that is when you have sort of figured out the answer to the issue that somebody has presented to you. So, And you know, okay, I have to stay in questioning mood because I'm coaching. Mm -hmm. So, But then the mind is so quick. So it hides your suggestion. It hides your your comment into a question and becomes a closed question or a question with an advice. Or you to all of a sudden start sharing, you know, this happened to me as well. This is how I dealt with it. So that is when you sort of run ahead of yourself, I
1: think. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then the question that will form, if you are ahead of yourself, already thinking about the answer, then the question that will form will be very closed, not, not great coaching and so on. So come from the right place, the intention of presence, curiosity, and so on. In the question will form, form itself. Yeah.
0: Can I jump to just a very practical topic on coaching?
1: Yeah.
0: And that is, you know, I don't have time. Hmm. Or I only have 10 minutes. How can I do anything useful as a coach in such a short time span? What would what, what's your, you know, what's your thinking or reflection around that?
1: Well, I suppose two things. One, you might be right. If um, the house is on fire, then we're not going to coach somebody, where do you, what, what would you think is the best way to get out of this building? So if time is really crucial, then you tell people where the door is. So apart from that, I think coaching is very likely to be time-saving in the, in the short term. And absolutely, I'm absolutely sure it will be time-saving in the long term. What about
0: you? I think there is a, um, a way to be realistic where we can, we can meet somebody where they are and, and recognizing that we may need more time to, to pick this up again. So, so to somehow chunk it. So what can we do right now? You know, what, what is the most, so some kind of prioritization. So maybe it's about the low hanging fruit or the pain points. If you only have 10 minutes, you sort of t- try to recognize what that is. But then also before you sort of finish off from saying, I don't have time, you say, okay, this is obviously important. Let's find some time at another point to continue. So you do something, something small, and then yeah. come back to it. Yeah. And there's more t- time.
1: Good. I think speaking of time, Oh, I think we should leave it there. So we talk quite a lot, actually, quite a, about quite a lot of things in coaching. So um very some some really interesting things for people to take away, if, if you ask me, um, and how can they practice this? How can they implement? What can they experiment with?
0: So so one thing that I often say is, just notice when you're curious. What is the sensation of being curious? the place of curiosity, so, so that you know how that feels, how do you experience that in you? Mm. So that's one thing. And presence we have talked so much about. So I think practicing presence, if you want to practice the behavior in presence, do the small things. I mean, again, we have a whole episode on this, but to practice presence and notice when you're curious, if you have those two, those are great behaviors to play with and practice. And you?
1: It's the lar- I think the the most important is the awareness in the moment. So next time you are with somebody you're coaching, be aware of what we t- we've talked about here. So you know, perhaps um, try something else, try something new, try silence, try curiosity, try presence, try whatever, empathy. And, and be aware of how that works. So just take, take one example of a coaching conversation you're going to have after you listen to this conversation and this, this dialogue and, um, and experiment with it and see how that goes.